Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. Jenna, first, good morning. Great to be with you, the queen of talk radio in America. The left does not want to honor our freedoms, and we have a responsibility to fight back. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. Fill that void with a vision that runs so deep that it dilutes the woke agenda. Well, thank you, Jenna. Right from the beginning, I knew you, so it's an honor to be with you, and you're doing really well. Proud of you. Former legal counsel to President Trump, Ellis. Well, good morning. Good morning. And today we need to talk about the war on men and why society hates them and why we need them. And I know that that is a topic, of course, you were considering uh, this early in the morning, but we need to talk about it. And I'm going to talk about it for the whole show today in a conversation uh, that I had recently with my good friend Owen Strand, who wrote a great book that is a new book called The War on Men. And we need to talk about this from a bigger, more robust cultural perspective. And of course, with truth in society, which is our definition of politics that uh, actually comes from my pastor, Gino Geraci, out in Colorado. Um, he and I had a conversation as well recently about truth in community and what uh, does politics look like, because we can't have this separation between the Christian worldview and and politics and say, well, we need to just have this separation of church and state, meaning that Christians don't engage politics. We have to engage truth in all aspects of our lives, and we have to promote the truth of the gospel of Christ, which means for politics that we promote truth in community. And so what does that mean for the greater a cultural understanding of feminism, of masculinity, of um, what it should be for femininity. What does the biblical worldview say about all of those things? And how is that getting lost in our culture? And how is the wrong um, progressive secular worldview actually shaping our understanding of these concepts? And how is that then not just trickling down, but funneling down with a giant uh, deluge of ideology into our cultural awareness. And then it ends up affecting our law and policy because, again, as Andrew Breitbart very famously said, uh, politics is downstream from culture. And what our society codifies into law, what we permit, what we prohibit, in society is always an expression of what that society understands about morality, not just what we believe, because we can believe a lot of things about morality that aren't true, but what standard we set up for society. So we need to have a truth-based perspective. And yes, we do need to have moral law, law that is built on the Christian worldview. We do legislate morality. Just whose morality are we legislating? All of these things we need to talk about, and this is a lengthy interview, so we're going to play the whole thing coming up next with my good friend Owen Strand and his new book, The War on Men, when we come right back here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning.
Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. So joining me now is my good friend, Owen Strand, who wrote the brand new book, The War on Men, Why Society Hates Them and Why We Need Them. So Owen, I can't think of a more timely topic than this because we've seen uh, throughout the past a few decades, but especially recently through the rise of the sexual revolution, through the rise of feminism, through the rise of entertainment that is bashing men for being men, and even how the church is trying to, at times, blend the gender roles in the context of the family or in the church. We need men to be men. So first, let's uh, define that and define the role of the man and why this book is so timely and important for particularly American society to consider. Yeah, great topic, a great set of questions there, Jenna. I appreciate it. Um, fundamentally, Christian manhood, biblical manhood, which is really the angle I'm going from in this book, The War on Men, is um, taking responsibility for others in a self-sacrificing way. And obviously, that takes us all the way to the top of the Christian faith, where Jesus Christ, the true man, lays down his life for his bride, the church. What I'm not saying there is that men only lead by taking a poll of the family or asking their wife what she wants. That's not ultimately what we're talking about. But Christian men should be distinct. We should be strong. I call for strong manhood in this book, but we also want to be humble men. We need to be tough men, but we also need to be tender men. We need to be obstinate in the face of evil, but we also need to be kind and gentle. So we're really a balanced uh, uh, interplay of attributes there and traits Fundamentally, what we're always seeking to do is to be like Christ because he's the emblem of biblical manhood. Yeah, and and this makes so much sense that there is a balance because it seems like our society has this forced binary where if you reject the cultural view of toxic masculinity, then you're for the patriarchy. And if you are for strong women, then you must be for weak men. And the Bible rejects that binary choice. There's actually a third option, which is the biblical view of complementarianism, which is that all human beings, male and female, and yes, there's only two genders, are made in the image of God, have inherent dignity and worth, but our roles in the context of the church and the family and how we interact between the two sexes uh, are, are different and they are complementary and we should be celebrating and affirming that and understanding that. And so I reject that binary. And so how do you describe and, and kind of combat that sort of uh, cultural binary in this book? Yeah, great question. I mean, what I go hard after from the outset of this book is toxic masculinity as a concept. Uh, and there's a lot more to say about the question you asked, but let me focus on that for just a minute. If you're a strong man today, there's about half of our society that regardless of whether your strength is used for good or evil will brand you as bad, as toxic. And it's very important to state that men do all sorts of sinful things. Men fundamentally, just like women, need a savior. We need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse our sins. We need the resurrection of Jesus Christ to give us life after the grave. So we're not starting from the outset that men have it all right. We're not saying anything a man does is great. I'm also not saying in my book and my broader program that what we most need to give men is just a, 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 pat, a pat on the back and get them out there and get them in the game and give them some tips to optimize their life and beat their chest and bench press 50 pounds more and um, you know run in the morning and do a cold bath in the afternoon. 
there's a lot that you can say about manhood in a common grace sense. We can learn some things from the Joe Rogans and the Jocko Willinks and the David Gogginses out there, and, and we could go on, Tucker Carlson. Um, but what I am most saying in this book is that while men do fail, men should not be written off in this therapeutic category as toxic. Men instead need the grace of God and men need an arm around the shoulder. Men don't need to be burned down. They don't need people screaming at them. Little boys don't need people carrying signs against them because they they have energy and aggression and they have 2000% more testosterone on average than women. No, what they need is they need fathers. They need pastors. They need good teachers. They need coaches. They need people who, yes, tell them the truth, but also shepherd them and love them and encourage them and help them. And our culture, Jenna, does not want to do that. Our culture just wants to isolate the bad actors and say, see, that's all men. That's what you get if you encourage men to be assertive, burn them down. And we can't do that. That's so true. And it's so unfortunate. And, you know, for women, that's often what we're told as well, is that if we want to be a strong woman and we want to have a voice at all and don't be a doormat and, you know, you need to pursue your own career and make sure that, you know, you're living your best life and all of this, then the concept of submission, which is like the worst um, you know, it should be a four letter word in this society, right? Is that if you submit, then that means that the man becomes the petty tyrant and the dictator over you. And so men are very hesitant anymore to even have opinions sometimes, because then it looks like, oh, I am mansplaining to a woman or, you know, all of these terms that are encouraging and almost compelling men to remain silent and to be the beta male because women will automatically like the reflexive defense is to suggest that men shouldn't have this role of headship in their lives. And, and unfortunately, um, then the flip side of that is that unless a woman is a doormat, some Christian men would say, well, then I don't want anything to do with a strong woman because, um, you know, she must be a feminist. I mean, I get that all the time that, oh, Jenna, sure. you're a career woman. And I'm like, no, I actually have a ministry and that's a good thing. Um, but I respect the fact that men can and should and must be men. So how do we even start to have this conversation when there's such a distaste for even these fundamental terms like submission and headship and masculinity and femininity that I think have been so misconstrued and so on purpose redefined and reimagined uh, like what the left wants. Wow. Uh, Jenna, how much time do we have? I mean, that is, you just, you just took us to two of the most problematic areas in all of society, rightly. Authority and submission, headship and submission, different terms you can swap out, are absolutely despised. And they're despised today because of ultimately satanic energy, because Satan hates the concepts of headship and submission, because Satan hates the fatherhood of God. Satan hates God the Father uh, with a desperate evil. And Satan hates Christ in humility coming to earth to die on a cross for our sins. So Satan hates uh, authority and Satan hates submission. There's a lot we could say about either concept. Let me just speak to submission for just a second. Submission is not the absence of strength. That's what people think it is. That's what the feminists say it is. They say, the the, the atheist feminists say, submission is a woman emptying herself of any ability, strength, talent, and so on, and just effectively falling back on a fainting couch to be caught by her husband and ordered around. 
It's not what the Bible teaches one bit. Submission is strength under control. Submission is not the absence of ability or talent or in intellect. Uh, many Christian women are brilliant. <laughs> many wives who are raising kids, for example, in the home and don't have a full-time job, they're brilliant. They're doing that out of a call. Many Christian women who are single and are in the public square and speaking up and have a courageous voice like yourself, they're, they're not there because they're trying to be feminist. They're there because they're trying to be faithful to Christ. So what we need to say as, as a Christian movement is, yes, we're calling women to be submissive. Yes, that means that a woman does in marriage put herself under a husband's authority. She actually not only receives his, his leadership, but she actually tries to encourage it. So that's a very countercultural way to think. But we are never calling Christian women out there hearing this program. Never think that we are calling you to abandon your abilities. We're not. We are saying channel them for God. And yes, there is going to be a rejection of a kind of out of control feminism. Absolutely. You are going to, even if you're not married, you are going to try to encourage men in your life to step up, to take responsibility. It doesn't mean you never have anything to say or lead. It does mean though that in this movement in 2023, in this moment, we want to recognize that men are struggling tremendously and Christian women have a role. Conservative women even have a role there to say, men, help us step up, take responsibility. But Jenna, back to the basics. Submission is not what the feminists say it is. It's strength under control. Mm -hmm. So well said. And, you know, and then this whole idea of authority and submission, you're absolutely right that it is of the devil. It is the original sin that men wanted to be like God and uh, rebut and ignore and rebel against the divine order of things, which is that God is the ultimate authority. He is the divine lawgiver and, and he imposes the authority structure. And he imposes that not only for the context of the family and um, the husband and wife, but he also ordains and establishes that for the church uh, with the, the men being the responsible leaders of the church and also for civil society, that government as an institution that is run properly is for our good. We are supposed to have laws that are morally sufficient, that have bright line guardrails so that we don't have this insane anarchy. But this whole conversation, Owen, I think is so timely because it's not even just in the context of authority and submission in marriage or the family or even in the church, which a lot of people are not submissive to their church authorities. They do not submit themselves to the authority structure of the church. And the church doesn't even require it anymore because they don't impose church discipline. For example, people say, well, you know, pastor is just there to give me the motivational speech so I can go out and live my best life, you know, and I can right. take or leave it like a TED talk. That's not what the church is supposed to do. And so more broadly speaking, I'm seeing this in the overall conservative movement that the individual, because we've placed such a, a great emphasis on individual rights and our ability as we the people to select and prefer our leaders, there is this uh, there's this whole impression that we have created as a conservative movement that is fundamentally rebelling against authority structures and saying that the government even should not come in and tell me what to do. And so right. we're actually starting to argue on leftist grounds to say, well, it's my truth and I want to live my life the way the government can't tell me what to do. That's rebelling against authority instead of submitting ourselves to the authorities that God has given us that promote good, restrain evil, as Romans 13 says. So this isn't even just about you know, men versus women. I think this is also about individuals and the way that we all view 
ourselves and our relationship to authority and submission more broadly. And it's just being evidenced really particularly between the sexes as well. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. It's not that women are the ones who are called alone to submit. Every Christian, I mean, every born again believer in the name of Jesus Christ is fundamentally in submission to Christ and to God. And so this isn't something that we're saying, hey, women, uh, if you get married, you got to do this thing. It's really bad. Sorry. Uh, It's, you know, a huge weight around your neck, but do it for God's glory. No, all of us submit to God. All of us follow Christ. All of us are under the authority of God. Jenna, you can just feel it in the air today in 2023. Everything just feels like the spirit of rebellion coursing around you. And it does influence the church. It does influence us um, who are trying to be voices in the public square. What we need to say uh, from the church is that it is good to be under the right authority. We're a people who want to submit as much as we possibly can uh, in a Christian sense and also in a civil sense to good authority. That's actually part of our witness. We want to model that. Uh, We pray We pray for presidents. We pray for kings. We pray for them even when we see them not doing us right. We see them doing us harm. So um, I hope this doesn't go viral in a bad way on your show. But, you know, we pray for Biden. We pray for God to work in his heart, work in his life, convert him, turn him upside down and put him to work for the kingdom of Christ. Um, Yeah, we've got we've all got a lot to work on in these areas. Um, But we're not a people who have rejected authority and submission as Christians. We're a people who have, by God's grace, embraced these realities. Yes. And yeah, well, maybe in terms of Biden, we just need to turn his teleprompter upside down and, you know, his whole life will be changed, you know, but, um, (laughs) but, but you're right. I mean, we should be praying for those who are in authority over us because, you know, even as the Bible says, when there is righteous leadership, the people rejoice and under evil leadership, the people groan and we're seeing those groans. And yet, the the conservative and I'm and I'm talking about a wider swath here of, of even some Christians who don't necessarily understand these concepts and the practical realities that we're talking about. But there's there's this whole kind of um, younger influencer generation that is kind of the godless conservatism that is very pro um, fiscal conservatism. You know, very um, genuinely individual rights. And- I don't want, you know, the the community telling me what to do. I want to be able to carry my guns and, you know, do all of this thing and taxation is theft and all of these other things. But they're not willing themselves to come under any sort of genuine authority structure, even a good government or a good family model or a good church model. They're out there being, and at times I'm honestly shocked, Owen. I mean, and I've been around DC long enough, not much shocks me. I was criminal defense attorney for a while, but I'm shocked to see some of these women actually who are posting some of the most vulgar things and saying, oh, this is just dark humor. This is fine. And hey, my freedom, you can't be offended. I'm thinking, what are you influencing toward? And that is so off-putting for so many reasons, but it's also so morally wrong because they're missing the entire concept that even if you're not in a marriage relationship, you still should be in a church family and you still should be part of a well-ordered society that demands morality and moral parameters that society should condemn things like that. And so it's not that being single is the ultimate freedom. Because we're still under authority structures that are God-ordained, and there is actually more freedom and liberty in the construct 
of traditional marriage. And we've seen how that should work, how it doesn't uh, often anymore. But, um, but, you know, with some of these women that are just so brash and so vulgar, um, that's not encouraging men to be men. And it's not encouraging the idea of appropriate authority and submission either. Yeah. Two thoughts. Um, this always happens on your show when I come on, there's always so much to talk about and you're right. You're putting your finger on a lot of, on a lot of problematic things. Fundamentally, um, this is more of a political philosophy point. Um, so probably not the right place to go towards the end of this little segment. But I think a lot of our generation, Jenna and younger is enfranchising this kind of posture of rebelliousness by believing that liberalism has failed. And so basically everything's a failure. Everything's going up in smoke. And so we can live however we want to live. I'm not the one trying to make the argument that, for example, voting in elections is going awesome and everything's going great. I don't mean that. Uh, I don't know how long America has as an experiment. I don't know where we are in our timeline. We may be close to the end. Maybe we're in the middle. I, I don't know. I have no idea. What I can say, though, is, is that we should all be watchful at the very least. We should be watchful that we don't buy into uh, ideas that would enfranchise our rebellion and convince us that we can live however we want to live because the whole the whole society's going up in smoke. It's all failed. So just do whatever you want. And as you say, standards standards of morality, standards of loving your neighbor, treating someone else as an image bearer, even if you disagree with them strongly, that's all out the window because this whole thing is a failure. I would just say, be very wary of that kind of philosophy and where it could take you. Secondly, I would say, this is actually a great time for the church. It's actually a boom time for those who believe in a big vision of God's grace, because I don't know what's happened. I don't, it, it, there's lots of factors. We are degenerating as a people. Um, the standard of discussion on Twitter has never been lower. Uh, everybody's just in fight mode all the time. It's all polemics all the time. And so what I would say is we can participate in the ongoing debates around us, sure, as Christians, and um, try to be a light. But we've also just got to remember we're the people of grace. And so this is a great time for us to show that we have been saved by grace and then bring that to bear in our networks, in our relationships, because like you say, men and women alike, Jenna, are in a degenerate context. And it's very sad. We have the only way out and it's Jesus Christ. That's it. It's the only way out. Amen to that. And that has been true throughout the course of world history and human history, that God and salvation through God has been the God of the Bible has been the only way to become right with God and and to atone and account for sin. That has been true at the end of the Roman Empire. I mean, when things were just as degenerate uh, as they are now. I mean, it, people like to say, and those that you suggest and refer to, Owen, um, is saying, well, you know, look at how liberalism has failed and the Democrat Party has run away with all this. Well, we just need to win then. We need to win at all costs, even if that means compromising our moral standards or the constitutional parameters of what a moral and upright government and a well-ordered society looks like. And I would argue to that and say, no, would that have been the solution at the end of the Roman Empire? Absolutely not. I mean, the Renaissance and the reason that we came out of the Middle Ages was a return to what was true and right and lovely and looking at the truth of the word of God. I mean, the first Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, was the one that actually said we need to have the Bible in our own language and be able to read it for ourselves and not just have this um, this facade 
of a church, we need to make sure that we are living rightly. And that led to ultimately the industrial revolution. It led to uh, the, the freest and best society that is America. So we can't make the mistakes of history past. And, you know, it's a cliche to say, if we don't know history, we're doomed to repeat it. Well, that's what I feel like conservatism in the modern era or the the big capital L libertarian view is suggesting that somehow this is the worst place we've ever been as humankind and as mankind and as society. And I would say, I'm sorry, but, you know, have you not studied world history? I think we've been at some pretty dark moments. And the only way we get out of that is by realizing that the truth of God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing is new under the sun. And we have to return to first things. And yet we're sitting here arguing in 2023 as if it's a debatable issue that men are men and women are women. I mean, this is just patently absurd. And so we can point out all these things and we should, but we need to then say, okay, what is the solution? And you're absolutely right. The only solution is the truth of God and salvation through Jesus Christ. That's it. So how do we engage in that in a culture that is so completely godless that they are willing to try to redefine our reality and say, I can change my own gender? Yeah. So we, we, uh, are tailing toward the end where we began uh, this conversation. We need men and women to know who they are according to scripture, know who they are according to Christ. And we then need them to strike that gospel balance that the scripture holds out. We need, for example, men to be tough in terms of standing for the truth in these evil days, but also tender men who show grace to others, men who forgive their opponents, men who are not uh, playing this zero sum game on social media as if if you look bad, you know, you've lost everything. We, we need those kind of, of men today and we need those kind of women as well. We, we need to rebuild in the ashes. We don't just need to curse the darkness. We need to light a candle. It's a time for that. Um, so I pray that that this little book, The War on Men, uh, can be a part of helping there. Um, I pray that um, Christians will not lose their mind in these evil days. I pray uh, as well that the gospel is the is the spiritual hope, the anthropological help, the human level help, I, I really do think, is men um, being encouraged to return to nobility, to rise and build in the language of Nehemiah and the Old Testament. Uh, we need men to return to their God-given role of leader, protector, and provider in the home. We need men to return to their God-given role of elder and teacher of the church. We need men to stand up in the public square for what is true. In no sense in any of those contexts are we shoving women aside. We're always working together with women in appropriate ways, but we've got to have men stand up. Last night here in Arkansas, I went to a Conway Public Schools board meeting here in Conway, Arkansas, Central Arkansas. And this board, the school board, has taken a courageous stand against critical race theory and against transgender individuals entering the opposite sex bathroom. And they've been ferociously opposed here in Arkansas. Arkansas, red, reddest of the red states nearly. And uh, it was just an opportunity. No, I'm no great shakes or anything, but a few guys from my church and I uh, we're asked to go to the school board meeting and just say three minutes of encouragement to the school board. And I don't think we can uh, underplay how much that kind of public square involvement matters today. It's block by block right now. It's stand for the truth. Don't hate your enemy, but fight for what is good. We need men who will do that. And we need women who will do that. Yeah, we need men and women um, and, and especially men who understand that speaking truth and truly impacting society isn't just about 
influencer status. It's not follower count. It's not even just politics of partisanship. It's about truly understanding, embracing the virtue of being right with God, because I'm seeing so many even conservative pundits, like, um, for example, you see what's going on with Steven Crowder, who's a friend of mine, and it's just it's just a disaster on social media. You see what's going on with Candace hmm. Owens. You see what's going on with even conservative commentators like Dennis Prager, who actually, I, I mean, and he's he's a fellow host here on uh, Salem Media and, you know, a good friend of mine. And I was frankly distraught to see him actually suggesting that you can defend pornography as a better way to cheat on women than actually going out and committing adultery. And I'm thinking, this is conservatism? Like, like what are we even doing? And and a good friend of ours, um, who I won't name here because it was a private conversation, actually suggested that Christians not talk about this and not highlight Prager's comments because, oh, that's just infighting. We just kind of need to go. There are bigger battles to fight. Uh And I'm thinking, no, there is never a bigger battle to fight than evil and calling it for what it is. But what do you make, Owen, of, you know, these politicians and conservative pundits and everything who, you know, obviously, I mean, anybody who looks at my life, don't hold me up as the standard at all. I've sinned. I've made mistakes in the past. Thankfully, God separates my sin from the east to the west. And that is great. But it's because I'm constantly repenting and confessing. And I'm not holding myself up as the standard. I'm saying God is the standard. Therefore, hold me to the same accountability to that higher authority. I want to submit myself more and more to God and to truth. So I'm never going to apologize for calling out someone else in our fellow vein of conservatism for saying the wrong thing, like what Dennis Prager is doing here. I mean, this was just horrifying to me, frankly. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with what you said about um, none of us is the standard um, except for Christ. He's the standard. I stumble in many ways. You do. We all do. Um, you're going to find that um, we don't we don't ourselves uh, earn the love of God. God doesn't start our salvation and then we finish our salvation by our good works. God saves us and keeps us saved all the way through. It's all by grace. We're saved by grace. We're sanctified by grace. Praise God for that. There is truly no better news than that to hear. Uh, so we've got to make that very clear when we're talking about morality and people's failures and these kinds of things. And I think what we are seeing is that maybe we have thought the conservative movement was going to be immune from some of the societal problems that are playing out all around us. But no, marriages are crumbling in the conservative movement, too. No, conservative leaders that many of us respect greatly, like Prager in a common grace sense, um, not saying helpful and true words. There's there's a real tendency today to be tribalistic, to think um, we shouldn't call out our own tribe sins because then our tribe will lose. Jenna, that is dead wrong. It's not that we're going Comanche against our our own tribe. It's not that we are are blitzkrieging our tribe on a daily basis. That's not right. But we must call out sin, especially grave sin, wherever it shows itself. Or else, what are we in this for? Or else we're just doing the same power games that wokeness says we're all supposed to do anyway. We're, We're just as woke as the woke. If it all plays, if it all boils down to just power games and tribalism, then the woke are right. Um, And they're not right. They're dead wrong because it's not about power. It's about truth. It's about standing on the truth. Quick word on Prager. Again, such a man, so many of us respect, not burning him down. Man, I pray for. Um, But fundamentally, to say that um, dealing with sin uh, is going to happen 
when a man looks at pornography as opposed to commits physical adultery could not be more wrong. If you look at pornography as a married man, for example, or a married woman, you're 300% more likely to, to divorce just straight up statistically. So what I'm saying is Prager presented viewing pornography as like a way to the way uh, an older generation used to talk, blow off steam, you know, you got some nervous energy, get it out or whatever. It is not at all true. Looking at pornography is the way to ramp up your problem. It's the way to amplify your sin. It's the way to crash through the next wall. Um, it, it, it's only going to lead to destruction. So um, while we respect him, we also must say that is dead wrong. And we must say we need Jesus Christ ultimately to, to solve this. It's not just a matter of managing your sin. It's a matter of killing your sin. Colossians 3. Mm -hmm. So well said, and I completely agree with you. And, you know, th this whole idea that um, just because there are broken marriages in the in Christian churches and there are broken marriages in um, greater conservatism and there is sin, you know, pr prolifically and that we commit sin or we are the victims of other people's sin. Well, that's just reality, unfortunately, until Christ comes and we are all perfected in the day of Christ. We are continuing our sanctification process, but none of us will not be sinners while we are still in um, our earthly trappings. And so it's not a, a justifiable thing for the left to say, well, you guys are sinning too, therefore you can't point out that we are. We need to come back with that and say, yeah, and we're pointing it out. That's why we're in church. Hopefully we are accountable, We are, but we're the ones rooting it out. And we are the ones that want the light of accountability to shine in our lives. I mean, if there's one thing I have learned um, as, as I have become, um, hopefully, a deeper and more faithful Christian is that I want more and more accountability. I want good Christians speaking into my life. I mean, you're you're one of my friends who, you know, we have conversations on various topics that, you know, you keep me accountable in terms of what I'm saying to the public. And I'm grateful for that input. And so many others of my, my brothers and sisters in Christ and my family and my church. I mean, all of these things are good for me because I shouldn't ever be so arrogant to think, hey, everything I say and do is totally perfect because I got it all down by now. You know, that is so ridiculous. But we can't give in to the left that would say that just because we are not yet perfect, that we can't then call out sin. That's why we have to say we're not the standard. God is the standard and we all fall short but that doesn't mean we're okay with falling short and saying, well, you know, just because we're sinners, therefore go out and sin continuously because, hey, grace covers everything. That is right. not at all what the Bible says. And it seems like that is a little bit of this tendency from someone like Dennis Prager, who I was very surprised, you know, someone who deeply embraces the Ten Commandments and morality um, that is biblically based um, as you know, a very sincere Jew would suggest that this type of licentiousness is okay in any sense of it. And so we do need to be calling out our own because ultimately we all have the same standard and the leftists and their ideologies fail much worse, but we can also call out ourselves and our own cohort when we fail that standard as well. And we should do so lovingly and with the idea and the motivation that we need to restore those who are stumbling, especially if they're a brother in Christ. And if they're not, then we need to have the attitude and the view that we will restore them in a saving knowledge of Christ. And I think that so often that gets missed, Owen, that that type of genuine love for each other gets missed because in the wider conservative political arena, all we want to do 
is, you know, slash throats, burn it down, take names and win. We have become a movement that is so concerned with winning that we're no longer winning hearts and minds towards salvation. And I think that's a tragedy. Yeah, this this whole thing exposes um, the reality that ultimately conservatism is not going to get it done. It's a it's a sound body of principles. It should be fought for and advanced and promoted. Absolutely, it should. But but ultimately, um, as Christians, we don't simply offer true principles. We offer the greatest need the world has forgiveness. Uh, We offer total forgiveness of sins. We have the audacity to people to come to people just like us who stumble in so many ways. And we say, I can give you a a good vision of the free market. I can try to help you understand a just and ordered society. I can give you a foundation for human rights in in an appropriate way. I can try, um, you know, religious liberty, um, limited government, on and on it goes. But ultimately, what I'm really here to give you as a Christian is forgiveness of sin. And what what we're in, Jenna, is we are now in a context, both honestly left and right in 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 some to some degree, not the same degree, but both left and right experiencing a world without forgiveness. It is a cynical world. It is a world of of power games. It is a world of tribalism. So we're gonna have people we gravitate toward. We're gonna have a network. That's good. Um, if you're a Christian, you're you're a member of the universal church and you should belong to a local church. You should join it and be a member of it, be under discipline of it, uh, and, and in the broader sense accountability. But we also have to recognize that we're here not to win arguments or that our political tribe advances. Ultimately, we're here as Christians to offer forgiveness and grace. And so, yes, we have these amazing opportunities when we fail uh, to say, oh, man, I got that so wrong. I'm sorry. And you know what? I just showed you in my boisterous tone and my anger there that snuck out online. I'm I'm human. And I need a savior. And by the way, you do too. And and that's what we uniquely offer to this entire milestone we call the public square. So well said. And that's such a great salient point that our political landscape right now does not offer forgiveness. And you see people and politicians that just double down and triple down and quadruple down when they know, and it's just so obvious that they've made a mistake or a wrong decision, and they can't say that because then they fear that their entire status, their political career, their followers, their influencers, whatever, it's over. Because if they make one mistake, it's done. And and so it's an impossible standard. And so that they become then hypocritical. Um, And they won't admit to those things because there is no forgiveness in a harsh world that demands and expects perfection to such an arbitrary standard as a follower base that, you know, that just bends and flexes with every whim of, you know, whatever the political discourses of the day. And I'm just, I'm so grateful as we're sitting here discussing this, Owen, that I don't have that as a standard. I am like, could you imagine the pressure to say, I have to be perfect according to what might possibly be the political tone of a year from now. I mean, that's what leftists hold themselves to. And that's why so many of them are now being canceled for things they said, you know, even two years, 15 years ago that they couldn't have possibly imagined would be they'd now be persona non grata, but that's the impossible standard. And that's not the standard of truth. And thankfully, God never changes. Truth never changes. We can be consistent. And as Christians, yeah, we can say, I messed up because I didn't 
have the appropriate standard or I made a mistake or whatever, but it's not because the standard ever changes. And so we can have that consistency. And if we are true Christians, we don't have to worry about what we're saying today if it's in line with truth, because that truth will be the same two years, 15 years, 25 years, 150 years from now. And that's the beauty of Christ. So um, I could continue to talk with you for, you know, for hours longer. We need a Joe Rogan style podcast for for, (laughs) for Christians, right? You and I should do that sometime. But um, closing Mm -hmm. thoughts on this and your book, um, The The War on Men. Yeah, just to wrap up, couldn't agree more. Um, Fundamentally, what, what leftism does is it renders people toxic. It just calls one group after another toxic. And it portrays itself, elevates itself as righteous and not toxic. The reality is that's a therapeutic category that's not scriptural. We're all sinners. We all fail. We all stumble like we've both been saying. And so we need to be very, very clear to men, for example, today, that no man is toxic. No man is irredeemable. No man is beyond the reach of God's grace. No woman is either, by the way. No person is. So we're here to to speak for truth. We have one job in that sense, like that internet meme, you have one job. We're here to speak truth and show show love uh, to fellow sinners. But we've got to make very clear that we stand apart from the left. We don't say People are irredeemable. People are hopeless. People are worthless. We disagree with all sorts of people, and we're going to disagree with them all the way down. We're going to take a hard stand against uh, boys going into little girls' restrooms and these sorts of things under the guise of transgenderism. We're not doing that. We are not doing that. But we're not doing that because the other side is toxic. We're not doing that because we hate the other side. We're doing that out of love. And, And ultimately, we offer people the truth, and we offer people the miracle of forgiveness. There's no greater miracle. There's no greater word out there. There's no greater promise than to hear that all your sin can be forgiven. And then when you are repentant of your sin and you have faith in Jesus Christ, all your sin is forgiven. The rest of your life, it sounds too good to be true. It's not too good to be true. It's real. It's true. It's true. And it's the good news. Well, Owen, thank you so much for joining me as always. And the book is The War on Men, and you can find that uh, at Barnes & Noble right now. And there's actually a a 25% off code with pre-order 25 that you can get if you go to the link on your Twitter page. You're at O-S-T-R-A-N, which is um, at O-S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N, Owen Strand. And you can go to uh, barnesandnoble.com, get that with a 25% offer code pre-order 25. I'm so looking forward to reading it. I appreciate your stand for the truth and for your call to our society to become more conformed to the person of truth, which is Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for your wise counsel, for your courage to boldly speak truth in our society. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Appreciate it. Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Speaking truth with love, we need to continue to do that in all areas and aspects of our life and our culture, not just in the four walls of our churches or our homes. We have to affect society with the truth of the gospel of Christ and to go into the world, not become the world, but go into the world and teach the gospel and win hearts and minds for Christ. And we have to confront these issues. And um, so the last a very lengthy segment, which we, we kind of moved around the clock a little bit uh, here this morning to accommodate this um, this really great conversation that I had with my good friend Owen Strand. If you missed any part of that, you can go to AFR 
www.kathyr.net and you can get the podcast version of this show talking about the war on men, why society hates them, and why we need them. You can also go to Barnes & Noble. Uh, go to barnesandnoble.com and get 25% off right now on this book with the code PREORDER25. So that's PREORDER25, no spaces in between, just one word, PREORDER25. So I'll say that really fast, PREORDER25, and it's like one word, no spaces. Uh, you can go to barnesandnoble.com, get this great book from Owen Strand, who um, has been a friend of mine for years, actually. Um, one of the things that I... I really loved and enjoyed and was was kind of a collateral blessing about representing uh, Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Community Church uh, back in the midst of the COVID shutdown uh, was that I found a great network of so many pastors and great Christian uh, leaders and thought leaders in the biblical worldview that um, that contacted me and are, are huge, of course, fans of Pastor John MacArthur and um, his bold stance for truth. And they were so grateful for his stand. And um, so they encouraged me. And, and I, I think that I would probably have never crossed paths um, in any other setting with a lot of the people that I ended up um, meeting through that experience. And uh, Owen was one of them, and um, we share a lot of mutual friends. And he's just been um, a really great uh, friend and brother in Christ and um, pastor figure, um, kind of like an, a big brother to me um, in in life, just in general. I mean, this is um, this is why the broader Christian community and the church matters, because um, you need people like that who will um, see what you're saying publicly, um, how. Uh, public life uh, is for you know people uh, like me that speak uh, truth into culture and in kind of a, a broad sense because God has opened these doors and given me some platforms and so you really need I need accountability in that and um, there are some really really solid Christian men and women who I am so thankful for that speak into my life and um, hold me accountable and encourage me, pray for me. And, um, and and I appreciate that. And I try to also do that myself with others and be that accountability and encouragement and prayer structure in their life. Um, you know, my mom um, loves the book and we, we grew up, um, I grew up reading uh, Pilgrim's Progress, of course, but you know, John Bunyan, one of the great, great allegories of the Christian faith. And um, my mom actually in, um, in elementary school, I think she was in second grade when she went to a daycare. Her um, her daycare provider at that at that time when she was in second grade read Little Pilgrim's Progress, the uh, children's version of the book, and that was how my mom got saved. Um, and so that was an incredible book. And in that book, there's Christian, which we all identify with as our Christian life, but Christian has faithful who stands by him through the midst of the hardest times of the Christian life and journey. And Faithful is such an important person in that book. And we need to not just identify with Christian, and and we have to continue on on our journey. But I would ask you to ask this question, in whose Christian life are you the person of Faithful? Who are you coming alongside? Who are you encouraging? as faithful to their Christian journey. Um, that has been a goal of mine um, since the last time I read that book, which was actually probably too many years ago. But uh, be on your Christian journey, pursue the truth of the gospel of Christ, and also be faithful 
in other Christians' lives. I'll see you tomorrow morning here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning.